Let us pray. Father, as we look at uh, your word in, in chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians today, that your Holy Spirit give us a greater understanding of your will for our lives and how we can live those lives in a manner that pleases you. And let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Since chapter five starts with the words, for we know, let's go back to the last couple of verses of chapter four so we can follow the, the thread of the thought. Starting in verse 16. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all uh, comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. In chapter 5, for we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Now that's an interesting word that Paul chooses here uh, for our earthly bodies, a tent. Uh, if any of you have done any camping, uh, you may know or you may remember that uh, the first year you went out camping with that brand new tent everything fit together properly the uh, the seams didn't leak the zippers fit and ran smoothly but the more years you used it uh, the zippers started to come unstuck you know, maybe the seams were leaking the tent poles didn't quite fit the same way as they did the first year. And that's an inter interesting comparison to our body. You know, we're a little weather-worn on the outside. And our exoskeleton is a little weary and doesn't really fit. And as we get older, we might get arthritis, so the bones start clicking and aching. So, yeah, it's temporary. But it's also interesting by the, in the fact that the Greek word is used for tenth or boot, booth, but also, also in the New Testament for the Mosaic tabernacle. Uh, the tabernacle that God gave the Israelites as they wandered through the desert. It was also temporary. It was for them as they were wind, walk, uh, wandering around the desert uh, in the land that did not belong to them, that wasn't theirs. They didn't get the, the full physical temple uh, until they inherited their land uh, and built it in, in Jerusalem. 
but it's interesting because Paul asks in, in 1 Corinthians 6.19, or do you, do you know, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? Our body is a temple. Our body is that temporary tabernacle. As we wander in the world, when our, our home is actually the heavenly kingdom. And yes, it's wearing down. Yes, it's afflicted as we read in chapter four. But Paul says, as you go through that, remember we have a building. And again, that's an interesting word because when you think of buildings, you think of Permanence, you think of solidity, security, more secure than a tent, of a certainty. When you leave your house, you know it's going to be in the same place when you get back in the evening. We have a house, a building from God, a house not made with hands. And it's eternal. And indeed, in verse 2, in, we groan in this body, desiring to put on our dwelling from heaven, since when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. So it's Paul saying, yes, it's 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 okay, it's for us to groan in this body as it gets older, as it gets afflicted. And hope for that eternal body. He says, because when we're clothed with it, we will not be naked. Because the pagan society that the church was coming up in, in Corinthian, their idea was that the body was bad and the spirit was good and there'd be a separation upon death. Paul saying, no, no, no. You know, when we die, our spirits can be clothed with that eternal body, that glorified body, a real body, just as Jesus received. First John 3, 2, John echoes that. He says, beloved, we are God's children now and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. If we're just spirits, we will not be, we'll not be able to see Jesus in his glorified body, but we will. Chapter, or verse four, reinforces that. He says, yes, indeed, we groan while we are in this tent, burdened as we are, because we do not want to be unclothed, but clothed, so that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Echoing what he wrote in the first letter to the Corinthians in chapter 15, 1 Corinthians When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on the immortality, 
Then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Our victory in Christ. Our life in Christ. And verse 5, He who has prepared for us this very thing is God who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. The Holy Spirit being given to us to indwell us to make us the temples of the Holy Spirit is a pledge that even in our inflicted, afflicted, temporary, tent bodies, we have that guarantee of that building, of that eternal body when we are called to Jesus. The, the Greek word, Arabon, in the New Testament is only used of that which is assured by God to believers. Just as an aside, in modern Greek, it's used for an engagement ring. Again, another pledge. And here in chapter 5, Paul is reminding the church of Corinth what he said to them at the very beginning of this letter. In verses 21 and 22 of chapter 1. And it is God who established us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put a seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. God's guarantees are solid. They're never revoked. We can pledge our lives on that. We will have eternal, glorified, permanent bodies. So Paul is quite able to say in verse 6, so we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We groan because we are away from the Lord. There's many times in our lives when we say, Lord, why can't we leave? Why do we stay, have to stay here? Why are we away from you? Why are we afflicted? But it's not by hap chance. If the Lord leaves us here, it's because he has a purpose for it. We're here to serve him. I'll speak more about that next week. But if we're here, we're here because it's God's will for us to still be here. But we do have that promise.
Paul, you know, and anytime the authors in the Bible repeat themselves, it's time for our ears to pick up and, and, and listen and pay attention. And in verse 8, Paul repeats himself. He says, yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. Now the Greek word for aim that's here means to love what is honorable. So as believers, we should be striving for excellence and all that is honorable before God. It's echoed in Romans 12 too. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. But what, what is pleasing to God? What in our, can we do in our lives? What should we be doing with our lives to please him? For that, we have to go to Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 to 12, where Paul writes, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be, one, filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, Number one, bearing fruit in every good work. Number two, increasing in the knowledge of God. Number three, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. Number four, for all endurance and patience with joy. Number five, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. So our aim in our lives should be in all manner of our lives, in whatever we're doing, whatever the Lord has given us to do in this life. Whether it be working as a shop clerk, whether it be the executive of a large company, whether it be preaching his word, whether it be ministries with the poor, to aim to please him in all that we do. Then Paul says, because remember, in verse 10, he says, remember, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. We're going to all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. In Romans 14.10, it's called the judgment seat of God. But this seat is, judgment seat is not to be confused with the earthly, pre-millennial earthly throne of Christ that we see in Matthew 
2531, where there's a separation of sheep and goats, or the post-millennial great white throne of Revelation 2011, at which only the dead will appear. This judgment seat of Christ will be a tribunal held in his parousia, his presence with the saints after his return to receive them to himself as were gathered up into the clouds. At that time, we will come before him with the deeds that we have done in the body while we have been believers. Again, if I can take us back to first letter of Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 to 15. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day, that's the judgment seat of Christ, will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burnt up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Now, it's also important to remember that these actions which happened during the believer's time in, here on earth. It does not include our sins. Those were taken care of at the cross. Paul's referring to everything we do during our lifetime. After we have come to the cross for God's for, forgiveness. And it says, whether good or bad. The version we read said good or evil, but there's a slight difference there. They're not moral good and moral evil. Remember, matters of sin have taken care with. It was the definition of, of the word good is good in character constitution, beneficial in its effect. Think of God is essentially and absolutely and constantly good. The good that we do is being morally honorable, pleasing to God and therefore beneficial. Beneficial to God, beneficial to our brothers and sisters in Christ, beneficial to the world around us. And as Christians, we're to prove 
what is good. We're to cleave to what is good. We're to do what is good. We're to work what is good. We're to follow what is good. We're to be zealous in what is good. We're to imitate what is good. And we're to overcome evil with what is good. But the word that's translated evil in the version we read is, it means slight or trivial or blown about by every wind or mean or common or bad. Thinking of being worthless or belonging to a lower order of things but it's not simple evil it's not evil in our being and that would be the Greek word kakos which stands for whatever is evil in character or base or paneros which is evil in influence and malignant Here we're thinking of what is not beneficial in whatever we do. So we're called to be cautious about whatever we do. Are we spinning our wheels? Or are we giving of ourselves in a manner that's beneficial? to God, to our family, to our church family, to the community, and that glorifies and pleases God. Let us close in prayer with the benediction from Hebrews 13, 20, 21. And may the God of peace, who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, with the blood of the everlasting covenant, equip us with all that is good to do his will, working in us what is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ. Glory belongs to him forever and ever. Amen.